0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Add Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas, the new podcast from the anti-hunger organization Share Our Strength. Listen at strength.org slash passion.
0: I'm Tim Gunn, author, educator, and Project Runway mentor, and you're listening to Heritage Radio.
2: Welcome to the second season of Magnifico Radio, the weekly podcast featuring conversations in ethical fashion, clean beauty, and sustainable living. I'm your host, Kate Black, and if you're listening live on Heritage Radio Network at 1 o'clock Eastern every Monday, welcome. And if you found us through iTunes or Stitcher, also welcome. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Each week, I sit down with designers, makers, and leaders in sustainability to discuss the latest in ethical fashion, clean beauty, and sustainable living. This podcast is an an extension of my blog, Magnifico.com, and that's Magnifico, ECO.com, and my book, also called Magnifico, Your Head-to-Toe Guide to Ethical Fashion and Non-Toxic Beauty. Today we're discussing fast fashion, and to join the conversation is film director Andrew Morgan from The True Cost, a feature-length documentary film that explores the impact of fashion on people and the planet. Andrew, welcome.
3: Hey, it's great to be here.
2: It's so nice to connect with you. How are things?
3: Good. Yeah, very good. I, um, I feel like it's been a while since we've spoken, so it's great to catch up.
2: I know. I, I, we were. I think it was in Toronto that I saw you last when we did um, a movie screening and then also a panel conversation about about what people could do. So if. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised that people still haven't seen the book. I've been teaching at FIT, and so I've been assigning it as homework. And I'm kind of always shocked that my students um, and fashion students have this, haven't seen the movie. How do you describe it to people who meet you for the first time? And, and like, what do you tell them the movie's about?
3: Um, that's a great question. <clears throat> I think I, I just tell people that it's really a, just an honest exploration into uh, the world behind the things that we wear. And, uh, you know, it came out of a very personal place for me, and I wasn't an industry fashion person. I was just curious um, and concerned following the uh, events at Rana Plaza, um, some of the the, the major factory collapse and some of the factory fires leading up to that. And, yeah, it's just kind of this whirlwind uh, journey that I had over the next couple of years around the world and inside the places and meeting some of the people that make the things that I wear. Um, and I think the you know, the result was really something that is, I hope, an introduction or um, a first step into this world of awareness around the reality that there really are people um, behind the things that we wear every day.
2: And the impact, like when the when the film premiered, it premiered at Cannes in two thousand in the spring of two thousand and fifteen. So that must have been that must have been a very interesting experience to have kind of the the closet doors or behind the closet the wardrobe um, doors thrown open to the industry at such a, a fashionable event.
3: Yeah, it was. <laughs> the irony was not lost on me. Um, it was it was fascinating because. We had some uh, some people who came on as producers um, on the film that that were very influential in the fashion world, and you know I think around the release of the film, like there was this ongoing, this ongoing really beautiful tension I think in the work that we did promoting the film, which was we began to have some really important voices from inside the fashion world uh, seeing the film and saying you know this is a, a really really needed and long overdue conversation. Uh, which which was fascinating and, and really um, gratifying to me because I think when I made the film, one of my like sincere and maybe unspoken goals was I wanted to make something that could push the ethical fashion conversation or the human rights and fashion conversation out of kind of a niche that I had seen and into more of the mainstream. and so, you know, I think I really, I welcomed it every time you had someone like Anna Wintour or Stella McCartney or, you know, any of these people coming along to championing it um, was always like just a welcome uh, surprise for me.
2: Well, because it is, it's such a uh, an essential element in fashion. So we all need to be talking about it from Anna down to, you know, the little small makers on Etsy. Like everybody needs to have this conversation. And the reason why I asked you what it's about is because I think it changes every time I see it or when I see it with my students. Like my students think it's about um, supply chain. And they think Uh it's really about workers. And the last time I watched it, and I was listening to Lucy um, Siegel, who's a journalist from The Guardian. And and she figures um, prominently sometimes in the movie with her, um, her... opinions or her um, editorialization and the last time um, I saw the movie I was struck by something that she said about costing and really about you know we think that we're getting this value because we're getting all of these goods at such a low price but we're we're actually harming ourselves so like what what do you what what were you trying to convey in the movie like what was your main point
3: well, it's, I mean, it's fascinating because I think as I started, I, I really did set out uh, to make the film with a very simple goal of understanding something that I knew nothing about. And as I did that, um, what you see unfold in the film is very much the journey that I went on because it kind of has all these layers. And I think you can't look at supply chains, you can't look at uh, global economics inside this industry, you can't look at the human rights or the environmental impact. Without sort of going a little deeper in each of those areas. And I think what emerged for me was really a picture of a world that's um, kind of two things a world that's fundamentally uh, disjointed. And I think a lot of the um, abuses and a lot of the the flagrant um, neglect to things that concern us all that we see in the world exist and continue a lot of times because they remain just separated enough that on their own, they, they seem okay. They seem like something we can overlook. But I think what happens when you begin to put a link between all those pieces and say, how, you know, how at the end of the day, how are we fundamentally going to organize and structure our world now that we're living in a time where we have tools and technology to really enable us to see... The impact that our lives and our choices, collectively and alone, are having on the world. So I think as I got further and further into the film, it just it really began to hit me um, this idea that we're not really blindly making decisions anymore, whether it be in business or government. Like what we allow to take place in these supply chains, uh, as in other areas of our world are beginning to be more and more aware. Like, we be, we're, we're beginning to have incredible choice now. And that choice presents us as consumers and as people with, I think, a growing, a growing like, sense of contradiction with how we've chosen to organize the world. And not just that it's flagrantly unsustainable, as you and others are really effectively pointing out. Like, it's, it's a dead-end road. Uh, from resources and climate and all kinds of those things, it's also just inherently unjust in the way that it's put together. So I think I wanted to create a picture that linked some of these elements together and kind of gave people a jolting um, picture of the world in a very different way than you'd seen before so that you have to go back to your life and try to make sense of it.
2: And I think that's what happened one of my students told me that she um, she sat down with her husband and watched it and she just had and she'd been working in fashion for almost two decades and, and really had this kind of visceral reaction to it because she knew but she didn't know you know what I mean it, it's, it's almost like people it's like you threw open the curtains and people all of a sudden were forced to see and so was the reaction how did what was your sense of the reaction.
3: It's been it's been pretty incredible. I mean, to, to be honest with you, uh, you know, you always try to, when you're making something like this, you always try to make it seem bigger uh, and more professional than it really is, you know, as the film comes out. But the truth be told that this film started with uh, me and uh, my producing partner uh, here in L.A., Michael Ross, uh, reading a New York Times article about this factory that collapsed and deciding to make a film and you know we went out to kickstarter and more than nine hundred people around the world most of whom we'd never met contributed some money we got to go take the first trip to bangladesh and we met uh... some of the characters that you see in the film and every step along the way we were raising money and it was like you know it was a miracle that the film got that got it got finished and then to see it get picked up and we signed a deal with netflix and they took it out in twenty languages and all these countries and I think, for, so for starters, like I just have to say for starters, I haven't stopped just being thrilled and grateful that the film got made and that people watched it. I mean, to, to, to have millions of people see the film was just like, I, it was such a life-changing thing to make. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. That now to see people uh, responding to it, you know, in context, in places all over the world, um, you know, we get notes that come in every day, and it just really—it just kind of blows my mind. Like it's—it's it, incredible. I think what I was really, really after in the film, if I'm honest, and and there's been mixed reaction to this part, is I was really intent on making a film, um, not just a film that didn't have a happy ending. I wanted to make a film that didn't have an ending, and I wanted to make a film that, um, as as I've said, you know, fundamentally framed a, a growing problem area in our world. And I wanted people who were way smarter and, and, and doing all sorts of things around the world than me. I wanted I wanted to give them the opportunity to see something. And then I wanted us all to have to go back into our own spheres of influence and and work and try to figure out what comes next. So I think in that sense, you know, your question, like, The film wasn't like a campaign film where it was like you see this film, you text this number, you buy this t-shirt, and then you go on with your life. I wanted the film to be something that kind of lodges in the back of your brain and sits alongside the other things that are helping you look at what needs to be done now in the world. So I think the reaction has been gratifying most because it's been filled by a lot of different people in a lot of different places doing a lot of different things fundamentally now getting to respond to what they saw
2: it's amazing and you know we talked about this um in another conversation that you and i had but once you learn you can't unlearn so what what did this film do to you personally in your life like what 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 had to fundamentally change once you started to make the film or after your first trip to bangladesh
3: yeah i it's funny because i um I think when we first had that conversation, we were right in the middle of of a bunch of the press stuff for the film. And I think it's taken me some time. Um, Sometimes you go through experiences that are so life-changing that it kind of takes your heart um, a little while to catch up to your head. And and we did. We had this really dizzying two-year experience where we went, you know, based on our schedule, we traveled. um, Sometimes in the same week, we'd be on uh, you know, some of the, the the most beautiful fashion runways in Europe and uh, the States. And then that same week or days after, we'd be in, in slums or we'd be in places of manufacturing. And that kind of polarization and that kind of contrast, um, getting to experience that as a human being, I think just your body, like your heart, your soul, getting to be in one world and in that many different parts of it in that kind of period of time just changes you. And I think for me, it's, it's had a profoundly life-changing effect that I think has made me and will make me a different person for the rest of my life. I think it fundamentally opened me up to the reality, um, that we live in a world of unnecessary suffering. And, you know, there's some, there's some things in our world that, um, are, you know, there's suffering that, that we just like, we haven't figured out the cure to cancer yet. We haven't, there's, there's things that are just there. And then there's just unnecessary suffering that's the result of really um, unjust systems. And I think it has made me really focused on those areas of unnecessary suffering, those systems of injustice, and how as a storyteller, um, as a filmmaker, as a father, as a human – I can orient my life in a way that not just challenges the ones that aren't working, but really tries to champion um, new ways of of doing things. Because I think one of the things I felt most clearly making the film was when you're growing up, we live in a very strange, wonderful, contradictive moment in history. And when you're growing up on this planet, adults have to explain to you the insanity, really, that is, a world where so many people have so much and so many have so little and I think making the film and getting to be face to face with really ugly amounts of poverty and um, uh, injustice that, that you just that you feel on a visceral level in people's lives um, I think it just instilled in me a sense that this is the way the world is today and it's not the way the world has to stay tomorrow. This was one way of organizing the world that got us to a certain point and brought good things along, and now I get to be alive in a moment where we move it forward. And that sense of unfinished work, that sense of we haven't just arrived at this utopian place of progress, but we actually are now, for me, in positions of influence and power that we didn't earn, able to use that to move the story of our world forward, that like, that keeps getting me up in the morning. That, that to me was the like just change life reorientation factor uh, of the film.
2: Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Okay, we have to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Oh,
1: I don't know what you want me to be You turn away from anything passion and stir big chefs big ideas the new podcast from the anti-hunger organization share our strength brings together your favorite chefs and amazing social innovators to discuss how food impacts almost every major issue you care about your health your environment and your children's ability to learn Uplifting stories from chefs like Michelin star winner Jose Andres.
3: People want our respect. People don't want our dirty shoes and our old pants. People want us to show up and show them that they really matter to us.
1: And Top Chef winner Brian Voltaggio.
3: Hunger
0: has many different faces. You can walk down the street every day and see children playing in the playground. They're hungry. They don't know where they're going to get their next meal. They don't know if they're going to have dinner.
1: Can be heard at strength.org/passion. You can help change the world by changing the way we think about food. Listen at strength.org slash passion. That's strength.org slash passion.
2: and we're back you're listening to magnifico radio i'm your host kate black and i'm having a conversation with andrew morgan director of the true cost movie so andrew can we talk a little bit about your background did you always know that filmmaking was going to be the way that you were going to communicate communicate your message or or communicate to the world
3: yeah i i i figured it out pretty early on i um I remember watching uh, E.T., uh, Steven Spielberg's film, uh, in my room when I was really very, very young, probably seven or eight. And I remember crying uh, really hard at the end when E.T. goes home. And I remember sitting on my bed thinking, um, whatever, whatever I just experienced, like whatever this medium is, um, I think there's like a, a magic-like quality to it. If it has the power to do that to me... Um, I, I, just, I just remember thinking I, I had, like, touched something magical. And I started making, you know, home videos and, and little movies in, in my neighborhood. Uh, and then when I was in high school, um, I was pretty set on on going to film school. And I, I graduated, and I grew up in Atlanta. And then after high school, I moved out to Los Angeles and studied cinematography at the L.A. Film School. And I remember very clearly, you know, I wasn't a great student um in high school, and and it was you know I just there's always been smarter people than me, and I remember the first day being in film school, just feeling like I was in my element. You know, I was in something about the structure, the craft, the organization of stories. Um, it just intrinsically has always made more sense to me than anything else, and it's kind of become the way I look at the world, and I think it's been the way that I sort of it's almost like a compass for me, you know? Um, and I just, I, I just completely, uh, I completely love it.
2: That's amazing. And so what's, what's going to, what's happened now? Are you still working on promoting The True Cost or have you moved on to another project?
3: Um, I've moved on. So I just finished a series of short films uh, with uh, mayors in key cities around the world uh, called We Live Here Together that just released at a big event, um, where a whole bunch of mayors from key cities around the world met in mexico city um it's it's mayors fighting climate change um in ways that are bringing about more social equity in their cities so there's been this um kind of perception or conception for a while that climate action is a you know kind of an elitist movement or that it you know it's like better bike lanes for the rich parts of the cities so there's been this movement of people to try to organize in some of these key cities because the importance of, of cities is kind of you know, growing daily right now. Um, and so we did a series of films. Uh, we did a short documentary, and then each city that we profiled got a film. So we were working on that this fall. And then um, this spring, I'm actually starting work on a new series that um, I haven't actually talked about at all called Untold America. And I'm really, uh, after spending the last couple of years, few years now, traveling uh, with a lot of my time outside of this country, um, I'm really, really interested in what's happening in in this country. And I really think that um, some of the choices around how people find a way to get together um, and act to actually stand up for some of the values and some of the things that we um, have to hold on to here at home really matters. So I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the year and make a series um, documentary series where we look at some of the key issues facing us as a country, but we do it through the lens of people's stories and 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 the types of stories that come from people that um, kind of all too often remain voiceless. Um, so we're just we're just gearing up for that now, and it's one of the most exciting things I've ever. Um, been a part of and I, I cannot wait for people to see more of that.
2: Oh my gosh. And it's so kind of timely because that's the name of your pro- production company, right? Untold?
3: It is. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, and it's, it's, you know, it's so interesting. Like I, I it, it, it's it's interesting the way things move. And I think I've kind of been on this journey of, um, you know, the true cost and making it was was an introduction to me into just personal awareness, like just general oh, my gosh, my choices that I make as a person have an impact on the world. And that that was this incredible journey that continues. And I think what that's led me to, and I think this is happening for a lot of people, um, and I think your work is speaking to this too, is the kind of next natural needed step in that journey is, okay, there's individual awareness, but now what does it mean to actually really... Um, reinvent the idea of collective action. And what do we do when we take our own awareness and we say, okay, my life has profoundly changed, and I'm I'm living in a way that I hope is, is more meaningful and more thoughtful every day than the last, but I can't stay there. I actually have to find a way to lock arms with people in my community and in my country and in my world who are fighting for the same things. Um, I think the you know, the election and everything that's been going on in this country has sort of been a wake up call to me and to a lot of people that we're not on this inevitable slide toward progress. And you know the there might be a moral arc in the universe, but it, it has to be pulled. Like it has to actually be wrestled uh, in the direction of good. And I think right now, as a country, we stand in a moment of just unprecedented opportunity. I mean, I think the, the jury's still out on who's going to step in and who's going to stand on the sidelines. And I just want to make something that's bold and honest and inviting for people to, to re-engage
2: it's such an interesting thing and actually when you were talking about your mayor stories it also reminded me because some of some of the some of the movement that's happened is actually started because of some of the cities and particularly I'm thinking about San Francisco and and their decision to go zero waste and what that did to a whole bunch of industries particularly fashion trying to figure out okay well what are we going to do about fashion waste like we when the cities kind of started to say, okay, landfills are, are becoming an issue and they're becoming full and we're we are going to start to put municipal um, policies in place to restrict that. So to make the consumer kind of reorient what they're thinking about, what they do with the afterlife of their product, then all of a sudden different conversations started to happen. So I think that, I think that you're right. Like little mini communities are where some of the bigger change is going to happen.
3: And I think, it, I think you're right, and it, and it opens up this wildly exciting chapter, because you know the realities of, of climate, the realities of limits to unending constant growth, the realities of limited resources, all of those things are, are quickly fading into to view for not just activists and people on the fringe, but like that's becoming a reality. Um, and as it does, the exciting part of that, is it actually gives us a chance to reinvent our society? Like, it actually gives us a chance to say, you know what, a lot of the ways our society was built was built for uh, things like production and consumption, and, uh, you know, corporations benefited quite a lot, and all these, you know, but now we could actually reinvent these with the interests of people. And this one planet we get to call home in mind, and that, you're exactly right, that opens up this wider door on the kind of world we actually could create. Um, and that's that's just wildly, wildly inspiring to me.
2: And so when you're out in the communities and you're doing Untold America, is it also um, environmentally based, or is it, is, it, is it about kind of broader topics?
3: It is, uh, it is broader topics, um, you know, what we're basically going to do is each month we're going to have like a focus. And so inside of that focus we'll then have, we'll kind of attack the issue from several different directions. Um, you know, one direction being conversations with really fascinating uh, people who are working for change, uh, other directions being really like, you know, profile stories on people being affected. I think sometimes we don't see that as, as much as we need to. So it's going to, you know, each month we'll have a different area of focus, but in in all of it, there will be a common theme, and you know, a huge part of that common theme is is really what you're addressing and what I'm just mentioning, which is people and the health of our world being at the forefront of decision making instead of corporate profit. You know, all these things that kind of have been. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be looking for those because one of the things that's really interesting to me, and I and I think you get this intrinsically, is. We're coming to a place where we have to start taking these things out of their columns. And I think, you know, to me, things like climate change, things like the environment, like it's not acceptable anymore that that's like one column or one group or like that's the climate thing or like that's the environment thing. One of the things I learned making this series uh, this fall is that, you know, environmental issues are people issues. And the health of our planet is the health of us. As individuals, and I think that has ramifications when you look at uh, immigration, when you look at uh, healthcare, when you look at race, when you you know you cross the board. Like I, I think we're moving into a time where we're going to start to see um, these issues as far far more connected.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, that's a moment when the kind of the shoe drops for a lot of people when they start to see the interconnectedness like, okay, so we're rallying for organic cotton because not only is it better for the cotton, but think about the farmers and then think about the water table and think about, you know, like I think when people start to resonate with, um, with an issue like I'm thinking about the the vegans and the animal rights um, people they really want to protect animals but the marine the marine ecology is is the one that's kind of in the most harm at the moment so the way to really protect animals in the marine ecology is to start thinking about all the chemical use and so it just kind of broadens it out beyond you know food choices and makes you now if that's one of your core beliefs to start to involve other aspects of how you're living like I think it's I think you right, I think it's time to kind of lift our heads up a little bit and look at the broader, broader spectrum of what it is that we really want.
3: Which, you know, it's so, what's so inspiring about that sentiment, Kate, is that I think um, and I think I've learned this uh, over the last couple of years, is that I think as I travel and spend time with a lot of people, and, and, a, and a huge portion of my job really is, um, is, is listening to people. And I think the more people that I listen to, the more the more I hear ring true um, as similarity, not difference. And I actually think a lot of times, you know, if you're an activist, if you're someone working on something and you have, as you say, a core belief or a core passion or or an issue that's really your thing, which is fantastic, I think a lot of times we've sort of been playing this aggressive defense, like I need to come at you and, like, convince you that this thing matters. And I think what's happening, there's a shift where – these issues are fundamentally – not only are they on the right side of history, they're on the right side of reality. And as they, as they more and more emerge and show their, their head in our world, um, a lot of the work that's coming up I think is going to be about saying, hey, here's these things you already care about. And I just want to – with this project or this uh, article or this thing I'm saying or whatever, I want to just show you how – something you already care about is connected to this bigger thing. I just want to show you how, you know, the shirt on your back or the, or the food you're eating or the, you know, the choices that you're like, it, you already care about these things. Because I think by and large people really, really do care. And they really, at some fundamental level, they really are closer to the kind of ideology of people and planet first than they could even articulate. It's just a matter of showing them how Maybe the thing that they're interested in actually connects to this other.
2: Awesome! I could just talk to you all day. It's been too long, actually. So we should make a plan to connect more off off the off the air. Um, but where can people find out? So where can people see this um, this mayoral series? What's it called?
3: Um. It's called Untold America, and it's going to be on untoldamerica.com. It will not release for a little while. Um, no, the other I actually, one. With I'm going to this... break the news to my producer that I, that I just told you about it first. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, people can follow. Um, if, you, if you catch up with me on Twitter, it's just Andrew underscore Morgan or uh, Facebook or any of that. I'll be uh, very, very soon in the next few weeks. here, kind of blasting out a bunch of that stuff.
2: Great. And what about the series about all the mayors? The didn't you mention six six little shorts? Yeah,
3: it's yeah, it was six cities. It's um, you can go to uh, c 40 inclusivecitiesorg um, or you can just uh, you can just search and Google uh, c40 uh, inclusive cities, and that will come up with um, yeah, that whole that whole project lives there on the site, and it's all over YouTube as well.
2: That's great. And so and if people want to follow you and see what projects you're working on and see when Untold America um, episodes are releasing, they can get all of that via your Twitter.
3: Absolutely. Yep.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been lovely to connect with you.
3: Oh thanks Kate Keep up the great work you're
2: doing. Ah oh, thank you. I just want to thank also Heritage Radio Network, which has lots of great indie programs about food the planet and other great topics. You can see Magnifico and all the other shows at heritageradionetwork.org and I hope you visit magnifico.com and sign up for our newsletter and if you have any feedback questions, want to be a sponsor, recommend a guest, please email me radio@magnifico.com and until next week <coughs>